Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Watson, and I'm joined by Danny O'Donnell for this episode of the Open Guard Cast, which is brought to you by Electrum Performance. Open Guard Cast 25 is a discount code that you can use to get thick, mean, lean, and swole. And if you want your attitude to improve, all right, I'm seeing a lot of negativity <laughs> going around there, a lot of lifting, feeling good, but you know what? Your attitude needs work. Take your attitude, needs to take a long walk, and you got to get Electrum Performance on your mind, all right? Today, we're joined by self-proclaimed degenerate grappler. <laughs> The owner of Reagan Martial Arts and coming off of an amazing performance at the IBJJF Pan Ams, the uh, IBJJF Pandemic 2020, Mr. Bruno Reagan. Thank you for joining us, brother. Thanks for having me. That is the best intro I've ever gotten. I wish every single one was like that. Oh, that was awesome. If there's one thing I do well, it's not. It's just introducing people on podcasts. It's the master intro host. (laughs) I'm doing my best over here. But hey, man, but yeah. yeah, that was uh, it was it was good to have you on. I just wanted to introduce you. Uh, you're also a, a, a judo black belt, very impressive judo. It's like one of the mainstays of your of your Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So yeah, it's definitely awesome to have you on and get your take on a lot of different things. Yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I thought I saw you guys uh invited me on, and I was like, oh, I wonder. You know, I guess most people have seen me for, through my pans matches because I've only ever competed at those two IBJJF tournaments, those pans and the Nogi pans. So, you know, I, and I'm not complaining. I love talking. I love talking about grappling and stuff. I love it. And there's not much of it where I'm from. I'm from like a small town in Tennessee. So mm. what town? Uh, Clarksville. It's like 40 ish minutes west of Nashville. So mm. this is one, one of the Vils. Yeah. Because okay. <laughs> I've only ever heard of Nashville and Ox. No, no. I'm thinking of somewhere different. Is there another Ville? Uh, there's definitely a few more Villes. I can't even think of them right now, though. Yeah. I, I don't want to sound... Clarksville is like a little military town, though. You know, we host the 101st, so there's always been a little of a combative scene here. Nice. Okay, cool. Knoxville, Tennessee, right? Yeah, Knoxville. That's the, the college town. It's UT's oh, I thought, town. I thought that was Florida. I thought that was in Florida. Oh. <laughs> Knoxville was in Florida. We're not geography experts. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not a geography expert. I passed one test in seventh grade, and since then I kind of clocked out. I hit my high. Um, but anyway, uh, I want to ask the first question, Danny. I've been on a roll asking the first questions. Really getting my confidence up with this whole journalism thing. Uh, <laughs> tell me how you got started in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kind of the key factors that led you to even start jiu-jitsu in the first place. Yeah, so I guess uh, that starts with judo. I mean, I was three years old, and my dad, uh, my dad had a fighting background, and he, my dad, done a lot of stuff too. But um, he never really pushed me. I mean, I was three years old. I can't even remember when I started. Uh, but I was three years old, and I was, I was a menace to society in my daycare. Like I, I would not stay. I was like, I, screw this place. You know, I'm gonna raise the roof, and I'm gonna get out of here. So I busted my parents eventually. Like I was too bad. That was the only time I'd ever really acted up in my whole life. So my dad would just take me to work. And uh, it was a community center in Clarksville at the time, and they were having judo classes, and so and it just naturally fit in. And I just literally never stopped since. Now there were breaks in between, but as that got going, my dad eventually started practicing again with me, and then he would go on and open some clubs himself before I opened mine up. And uh, we would always bring in jujitsu guys. Like before Ryan Hall was a big name, he came and did a seminar a long time ago, like before his Ultimate Fighter days and stuff like that. So we had, we would always have guys come in and stuff like that. And I guess that was my first exposure to Brazilian jujitsu. I knew Sean Hammond's my professor for a long time. I was just a kid though. And jujitsu was always like, eh, I was doing so many things. Like I was doing the wrestling and the football. So jujitsu was always like a fourth or fifth priority. And then when I got back, it's really the only thing you can compete in at, at our age. I think at a super high level, like fo- if you get cut from football, you know, you can't just, I mean, you could, but it's not the same. Like jujitsu allows you to play and compete at this super high of a level. 
of a thing and it's a very niche community and I was attracted to it coming out. So it was like two years, two years ago, I was thinking about doing it. And after I got, after the XFL went under, I immediately just contacted Sean who I known for forever. I just, you know, never really trained, trained under him. And I just started going every day, training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu along with my judo. Wow. That's really, that's, awesome. that's, that's really colorful. I really like that, that you, that you stayed involved. So did you stay involved with the XFL while you were training Jiu Jitsu and then like, it went under and you had already been training or was that yeah, a so, result of it? So I'll give you, I'll give you the timeline. So I went to college at Vander. So to pay, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but so to get my, to get my school paid for, you know, I knew football was going to be my way. So I was a really good high school wrestler. And in high school, I was, I was all American wrestler in high school. I've made some honorable all American team. And I had some interest from some D one schools like UT chats, a huge one in our state. But uh, I knew football was probably the pathway to getting an education. So I dropped everything for football about my junior, senior year. Not everything. You know, I'd still train and stuff, but it was definitely my priority. I went to Vanderbilt, played five years, and then I gave my shot at the NFL. And I, in my head, I was going to for sure be an NFL player, you know, make a good amount of money, do, do, just playing a sport, doing what I want. And then uh, I got cut that same summer. That was the summer of 19. 69. Yeah. <laughs> summer of 19 i summer of 19 i was already out of opportunities so i so i opened my own judo club i was like because there's no judo clubs in clarksville there's no judo there's no good judo clubs anywhere so i was like i guess i have to make my own uh so i made my own you know contact as many people as i could that have known me around here for my wrestling my judo my athletics you know and started that thing up and then the xfl came and uh i had to leave for like three to four months but my dad who was my coach was also involved in the judo club and they made it work they made it work we were able to pay our bills and stuff and uh the pandemic hit and after the pandemic when the xfl dropped that's when i went to brazilian jiu-jitsu like full time along with training my judo Mm -hmm. so i've only been training brazilian jiu-jitsu on like a serious basis for about i guess six months now wow Wow. that's incredible very impressive you went to pan ams then Danny. Yeah, exactly. yeah, screw it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, this is the turn because that was one of the only tournaments. So I was like, if this is the biggest tournament, I want to go to the biggest tournament. For sure. So, so I have a question about the XFL because, like, mm-hmm. once you graduate from a program like Vanderbilt, like, I'm sure there's tons of NFL scouts like looking at you, recruiting and stuff like that. How does it work with getting like a tryout for the XFL? How is that different from that? Yeah. So I mean. A lot of those XFL guys are were guys just with NFL experience, and they already have agents. And the NFL, so the, there's about 2,000 NFL player jobs a year around there, you know, give or take, depending on CBAs and how many practice squad spots they have for a certain year. But typically, it's the number's around 2,000, I think, for roster spots. And uh, on top of that 2,000, there's always about four to 5,000 people who have experience that are always floating around. You know, they're getting trials, they're bringing on – I think most people know the top the names of their ten favorite players on a team, but the back end of rosters, the last twenty to thirty, they're always changing in a season, right? Yeah. So the XFL is just filled up with those type of guys. Now I was a guy fresh out of college. I had no pro experience. So my agent just, you know, he I asked him if I could get if he could get me an invite to one of those XFL tryouts and he did. And uh, a few of the teams were talking to me. And I kind of, and in the XFL draft, I kind of squeaked in there at the last second. I was like the 15th lineman picked on my team, but I got picked. So, all right, that's awesome. Yeah, I always so my dad is like a gigantic Chicago Bears fan, so I grew up going to training camp for the Bears every summer, mm-hmm. and uh, I always thought it was weird how they like determined who got to stay on the practice squad and stuff, just because 
the practices that they were using to evaluate the players were like very little contact and it just yeah, seemed like uh, yeah <laughs> i mean most for the most part like 40 something roster spots are already filled and then it's like it's based so they go into the training camp with 90 roster spot with 90 players and they eventually cut it to 57 I, I think 57 or 52 i don't know what the number is now and 40 of those are already taken you know they because you're not going to cut like a larry fitzgerald or something from arizona so you know you throw the names up there they so it's like 60 guys fighting for like 10 spots and most of those guys truly never get a shot so and that's just part of the deal. That's just part of the unspoken truth about it. It's just like any career in the world. It's like, yeah. you know, they'll say your play and everything and all about winning. You know, it's who you know sometimes. Sometimes you have an in and people like you and that's how it works. Yeah. I, I know of several people, uh, including two of went to my gym. Both of them had like the same line of opportunity. One got into the NFL and one didn't just because of who they knew. And it was that's really interesting to me that that's like consistent, you know. Because one one of them he played in the Super Bowl. His name's Tony Lukens, and and then the other one is Steve Mascaro, who is he's like this. We call him Big Steve. I don't know if he likes being called Big Steve, but we love Steve <laughs> because he's huge. He's like six foot six, and he's three hundred and twenty pounds, and he's just just get gigantic human being. And uh, and he didn't play in the NFL, but they both had like the same kind of like okay, next steps the NFL. One of them got in, one of them didn't. Very very interesting. Yeah, for sure. So we were talking a little bit before we started recording about like what where you were at in the XFL and like it kind of seemed like that was your career path like that was what you wanted to do for the next foreseeable future to kind of make a living. So do you want to talk a little bit about like uh, about that decision like obviously getting into the XFL and then what you thought your future was going to look like after you got in? Yeah, so let's start summer 19 and I get cut from the NFL. And I'm like, oh my God, man, what am I going to do? Because I have this degree from Vanderbilt, right? And I'm like, I guess I could go get a job or something. But I was <laughs> thinking, I was like, man, this sucks. Jobs this are sucks. terrible. <laughs> Dude, I'm a degenerate grappler. This wasn't, this wasn't, <laughs> yeah, this wasn't what it was supposed to be, right? But uh, I thought I was going to be playing football. And then the XFL thing happened. So the thing with the XFL was, so I told you, I was drafted like the 15th lineman. They keep seven. So when I was drafted 15th and they called me, I was like, I'm not coming. And I hung up the phone. I told my GM, like I told the GM that drafted me. I was like, I'm not even trying. I'm not coming. And that was like in October. And then I guess I had like a, I was going through it basically. I was having a crisis of what to do with my life. Cause I'm an athlete and I'm an, I'm, I'm an athlete till I die, man. Like I love competing and there's nothing like it. And I, but also you need to make money in this world. You know, I don't want to be homeless. So I was kind of back and forth, and I've actually just decided, you know, screw it. I'll go try the XFL thing, even though I have basically a no shot at making it. Turn around, make it, and I'm like – and then I become pretty good. You know, I was the highest graded lineman on my team. I was starting, and I started every game. I was playing really well, well enough for some NFL teams to contact me again. It never worked out because of the virus, but um, I played well enough to where I was like – during the season, I was like, wow, this is going to be something I do for at least five more years and then it was all downhill from there. But I had the judo club going still, and it just it wasn't a really a stable source of income, especially after the virus thing yeah. happened. Like it closed down, and I basically had to pay my own bills for like two months. I, I don't know, I don't remember if it was two or three off the top of my head, but I was basically just fronting the bill up front. And I'm still kind of figuring it out to this day, but I think uh, the club is growing more and more and more. And I do I do a little of my own reporting on the side for Vanderbilt for Vanderbilt football because I have a bunch of insight into that program too. But uh, but if it was up to me, I would be a degenerate grappler every day of the week. That's I mean I love it. I love what we do. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, that's that's my goal too. 
Yeah. Uh, not not so much. I wouldn't call myself degenerate. I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I am a grappler. That is my job. I do. Oh, teach. I am. Yeah, I am a degenerate. I mean, <laughs> so far I haven't gathered that though. You're not doing a very good job upholding that image. So it makes me think that perhaps this is all like I like. I'm a degenerate grappler. I'm a thug. Oh no, I don't. I would never. I'm yeah, I'm just I would never say. I would never want to give that. When I when I when I call myself that, is it ironic? Is it like a. a is it like a joke? Yeah. But at the same time, it's just cause it's all I care about, man. Like, I don't want, like I, I had someone ask me two days ago at my club, you know, Oh, what are you going to do for work? I, or they, they asked me, what do you want to be? And I just looked at them. I was like a world champ. That's all I want to be. And they were like, like that. It's not a solid career path. I, that happened to my sister's graduation too. I told somebody, you know, what I was doing and what my goals are. And they're just like, it's not, it's not a job, but that's, that's just that's what I want. That's what I want to do. So yeah, it's, I think it's interesting because Jake and I have been kind of talking about this recently a lot. But I feel like nowadays with social media, if you're really good at marketing and branding yourself, you you can create a brand through your resulting competition and then kind of leverage that. You can make it happen. Yeah. So so what's your opinion on like social media? Do you have a plan now? Like knowing that like jujitsu and judo might be your career path. Do you kind of have a plan for how you're going to build your your following or or do you take that into consideration when you're thinking about your career? Yeah, I'm a pretty observant guy. So when I so even before I competed and I started, you know, trying to research the scene a little bit. Like I had no idea who guys were Gordon Ryan or Keenan Cornelius where I just would see posts on Reddit and it's like Gordon Ryan is a douche, right? And like, okay, so it's, and so I'd be like, okay, this guy's obviously a jerk or whatever. But then I look at it, but that got me his name and I started looking at his matches and I'm like, this guy is extremely high level come to come to find out he's the best at what he does right so i was trying to like figure it out and i kind of saw the blueprint i'm a pretty observant guy so i saw the blueprint and i was like but in my head i was in my head the way it works is like nobody cares unless you're a winner really there are ways around it and there are some guys you know i'm trying to think off the top of my head maybe some guys who are influential without like you know extreme tournament results but um in my head, I wanted to be a winner. So I was like, when I went into Pan Ams or anything, I'm not trying to build a brand or market myself. I think I had like 800 Instagram followers going into Pan Ams. And I was like, I, I was scared. I was super anxious. It was the first time I've been anxious for anything. I played in front of a crowd of 100,000 people in Notre Dame. I couldn't hear. The earth was shaking like it was an earthquake. And I felt nothing. I was like, this this is nothing. When I was stepping on that blue belt Pan Am match, I was like, oh, I hope I don't get embarrassed out here right <laughs> turn turn out you know turn up and win and uh that night i got like 2000 followers and then some other famous bodybuilder like shouted me out i got 2000 more i'm like okay so this is just kind of how it happens i guess there is a real path to building it it takes time and i'm lucky i have a i have a good support system especially i have great friends great family in my city that support my goals and my and stuff like that so i'm trying to figure it out as i go right but I also own a club, so I have to maintain, you know, I call myself a degenerate grappler, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, I don't like the way that some guys carry themselves really too much. They do anything for publicity, you know, I, and that's something you'll learn in the, the journalism world. If you know of a guy like called Clay Travis, he's a hot take guy. A lot of these hot take guys, they will die on hills. They will make bold things and they'll say some pretty disturbing stuff sometimes all for the sake of getting eyes on you in terms of, and that's how I, that's how I heard of Gordon, you know, as people complaining about him. But then I see him and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I have to know more about this guy. And all of a sudden mm -hmm. you follow this guy and that's kind of the deal of it. So it's, it is an interesting topic, I think.
And then you find out he's completely harmless, and he actually is not doing anything super controversial. He's literally just posting on the internet. He's and, a troll. He's, he's a, a troll. troll. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, and I, yeah. I, I think it speaks when you said you got super nervous. Like, man, I didn't know you played Notre Dame. That's that is awesome. That, yeah, I can't. I'm a very dude, emotional person, right? Like, I'm very emotional. But my emotions are never like the, what happens to me in tournament. I talked about this a couple of times on the show very recently. Is like I'm. So, I can't hold back my excitement, and I can't hold back how much fun I'm having. So like. I'll make faces and laugh and smile during matches. And it's like, it's part of what I do, but, um, it speaks a lot to jujitsu and how intimate and personal and immediate it is when you're nervous for your match <laughs> and you're not nervous for Notre Dame football game. Do you think that's yeah. because you were on a team instead of, instead of like, it's just like, it's you out there with jujitsu. Everything you do has a consequence, but like you could trip and get back up and still get a touchdown on Notre Dame football. Right. Correct. I don't think the I don't think results ever make me nervous like the or the idea of looking stupid. I look stupid like that's part of my deal. Like I know the first step of anything is looking like a moron, right? So yeah. I was I was planning on totally just going out there and getting destroyed. I was like, this is my first step in this whole deal, and this is the this is going to be the hardest part. You know, obviously it didn't turn out that way, but I was like, this is going to be the hardest part. I think it's just experience. Experience overrules all. Like I was so experienced in football at that time, like. It was just dead to me. And when once I think the best way anybody performs is when you're emotionally not detached because I think having fun is important too. I think you'll see that in my matches. Sometimes I smile. Sometimes I hear someone in the crowd say something like in Portuguese, like talking crap about me. And I'm like, that's awesome, right? But <laughs> Or during your hair on Gracie match. Yeah. You hear that? The guy yeah. yelling about judo. <laughs> that guy, that guy. I looked yeah. up and I smiled on him. I was like, that's hilarious, right? So, so – you perform best when you detach emotion. You know, you you play with discipline, same in football, same in jiu-jitsu. I think if you really, really, really are trying to win, sometimes it's best to just stay extremely disciplined. You know, emotions can sway you one way or another. But at the same time, I think there are times where I have fun. Like that Heron Gracie match, like you can look at it and I look up and I'm just smiling and and I and I won the tournament. So it's trying to find that balance. It's a never ending battle. Um well, sometimes one works, sometimes the other works, I guess. Um but I think experience is just the huge thing. Like once I get more experience in jujitsu, you'll just see me go out there. Like the second, the second I got that first match out of the way, it was over. Like the angst were gone. It was done. Right. Mm. But that was the first time I remember being anxious in forever. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people usually talk about that too. They say like one match and then, okay, whew, I got that first yeah. one out of the way. Yeah. So okay. I wanted to ask you too about, uh, cause we were talking a little bit about your judo skills, like before we started recording too, and how you use that in all your matches. But how did you like, keep your judo so sharp and your timing so good when you were like i'm assuming when you were in the xfl and when you were like in the midst of your football career you probably weren't training judo every day but it looks like you were when you stepped on the mat well so, like how yeah. are you able to keep your skills so sharp and your timing so good that's a good point well judo is probably the only reason i'm not a total actual not the judo is probably the only reason i'm not an actual degenerate right <laughs> judo got me my football scholarship the basics i learned from judo my judo has gotten me everything from a mentality standpoint to everything I've earned in my life. I think, I think judo has helped to build that for me and judo and jujitsu. My dad and I always tell people it's the same thing, just different rules, right? It's the same exact thing. So that stuff just played a key part and I never lost it. So my judo 
was huge in things like leverage, balance. And then when I went to football, I was an offensive lineman. It's basically a grappling match in football. Like it's just you yeah. and one guy in a grappling match. Um, you're not typically like supposed to hold or anything, but it's a lot of similarities. There's some collisions sometimes that suck, but it was just extremely similar. Like you're dealing with weight, leverage, balance. So when I got out back out of football, you know, I kind of hit the ground running. I had to, you know, study up on my names and stuff like that and techniques and watch and obviously get the reps in reps, reps, reps are the most important things. But I think it was just, um, I think it was honestly, I just never stopped living judo, even though I wasn't actively practicing it. Like it was something I still did every day. Like even, even in locker rooms, like you'll see me do my foot sweep drills. Like it's just cause that's just how I deal with, uh, that's just how I deal with like maybe some spare time. I don't know. So it was kind of like always on your mind. Like it never really left the forefront of your mind. You were always thinking about you. No, and that's all. And even when I was at the top of my football career, like I did this thing for like six years, right? It's not a short amount of time. And Mm -hmm. during probably my early prime years, you know, the 18 through 24 time. But I would always introduce myself as a judoka. Like I'm not a football player. I'm just a judoka who's playing football right now. That's awesome. So so did you get to do any training sessions or like were they just – Yeah, I would go – Every time I'd go home, but not during, no, not during, during it, I could never look my teammates in the eyes and be like, I got hurt doing judo. Sorry. Right. Right. But that's not, that's <laughs> not that. When it was in season, it was all, all about those guys, but. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I, I have a question about like adding your ju- judo game to like a jujitsu competition. Cause I feel like, like you said, it's almost the same sport, but the r- rules are very different. So a lot of people will say, you know, on Reddit or any of these <laughs> jujitsu <laughs> forums that like. Putting time into learning really high-level wrestling or judo can be a waste of – this is their words, not mine. They say it's a waste of time because people can just pull guard. They can grab your collar and just sit to the ground. Like are there specific judo and wrestling techniques that you think someone who maybe doesn't have a background like you should start with or should – it's basically the best bang for their buck. Uh, stand-up techniques to integrate into a jiu-jitsu competition game i think they're i think it's obviously all the same basics in judo jiu-jitsu wrestling there's a lot like once you get those basics like working one isn't going to hurt the other right now if you want to do well in jiu-jitsu competitions and you're brand new and you can't expect to go to judo and just become a jiu-jitsu guy right off the bat like i did judo i've done i've practice on and off for 20 something years right so it's like when i transition to one i basically covered the whole thing it's going to be different than a than a newbie so once when people say like you know maybe judo and jiu-jitsu or judo and wrestling isn't if i don't think it's a priority if you go to jiu-jitsu class and you're like i want to be good at jiu-jitsu spend your first year or two just doing jiu-jitsu learn those basics and then you can start thinking about adding some judo or wrestling right i think that's probably the best way to do it but you don't you also obviously don't also want to swamp yourself i feel like a lot of people get that bug and that itch and they burn themselves out quick too right yeah i see it all the time so I think uh, I think those people have a point. I just don't think it's entirely like, you know, judo and wrestling aren't useless because I had a lot of guys pull guard on me. Some really good guys pull guard on me. Um, but again, judo, judo and wrestling were my bases. Like I'd only practiced jujitsu about four months before that tournament. I was practicing more than the average Joe, but I do think there's some value in these other sports because it's all those same basics, I think. Mm. Well, also, I think one thing important thing to know is it also depends on who you're fighting. You know what I mean? Like how many yeah, people yeah. you compete in what division? What division you compete in? Super ultra heavy or ultra heavy? Ultra, ultra heavyweight blue belt, right? How many people are 
like sitting guard in ultra heavyweight, right? Oh, also, nobody. Like, for, uh, ultra heavyweight is different than any jujitsu. It is a judo match. It is a judo match. For sure, for sure. And that's like my point is yeah. I am medium heavyweight black belt. So when I compete, I understand that there's a there's a chance we're both going to pull. There's a chance we might stand up. So like I'm very interested in judo and wrestling. Like I'm working on Uchimata only because I am not I don't have the mental capacity for judo just yet because my whole <laughs> life has been spent on my back. So yeah. but another thing to take into consideration. OK, let's say they pull guard. It's kind of like you didn't get a takedown, but you still ended up in a in on top. You're still on top. So a lot of people who practice takedowns generally lean towards a passing style anyway because that's where you end up. So it's almost like you get to start the match without a takedown. A lot of people can think about it like that, too. I really like I, – I will never say that another martial art that is used in jiu-jitsu is ineffective because that would be ridiculous. That That is like – that is the most ridiculous thing. You know what I mean? As I say, why don't just use your hands to spread peanut butter? It's like, no, you need a knife. What's wrong with you? you know? <laughs> so that, that's my that's my opinion, and I kind of agree with you. I'll never say that judo or wrestling is, is ineffective. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, Since you're I the feel one like... who said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like wrestling especially um, – I mean judo too, obviously, but I feel like in terms of sweeps, wrestling is really effective because a lot of them end up in single legs. So if you have good finishing uh, options from the single leg, you can finish a lot of sweeps. So I feel like that's really common. Maybe not as much in the in the heavier divisions, but especially in the lighter divisions, um, a lot of times the bottom game is just like get the person off balance and then come up on a single. Yeah, and guys, and that's a I I like that you brought that up because let's be honest, like he, ultra heavyweight is a different ultra heavyweight jujitsu and jujitsu are two totally different things. I think <laughs> like and I I clearly like I went back and I was watching the fights and I was like, man, dude, I competed in a judo tournament like the fighting the fighting the smaller guys who were pulling guard on me was tougher than ultra heavyweight like ultra heavyweight we're standing up and whoever got the first takedown won, and i'm a takedown expert like it's all i yeah. do so so i was like dang man like i probably shouldn't be at my level right now but then i fight at the open division and then I, I, that's when things started to get kind of you know tough and different but I think that is a good point. Like it, it's just different. And there's not a lot of people that teach the ultra heavyweight style, you know, but that's the cool right, thing right. about jujitsu. It's like, it, it can be different at all, all the different weights and stuff like that. What's, what's that one guy's name? See out C A I O. Like he's one of the lightest guys, but he was beating. A ton of, yeah. He was beating a ton of like, he was beating a ton of guys bigger than him with his, like, you know, it's basically only pulling guard, right? Yeah. Like that was the way he had to win. I was like, this just is just so much different than watching a, than watching a fight. And I thought that was pretty cool about the sport too. Well, I I had I had to know that that yeah. pivotal <laughs> piece of information that ultra heavyweights fight different. I fought at American Nationals. I fought Joao Hocha. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. The number, pretty much the unanimously agreed second best ultra heavyweight in the world. And this guy, like, he stood up, he walked at me upright. And yeah. I was like, this guy's going to throw me. I was like, <laughs> I am not getting thrown by a 280-pound man right now. That is not happening. So I jumped guard, and then he just sat and passed my guard. And I was like, okay, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, but I'm glad <laughs> my back doesn't hurt. You know what yeah. I mean? So I think it's important for other people fighting these, you know, because there's some ultra heavyweights who are like like Bushesha, who he could pull guard, and he has. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But And this guy, this is the guy that fought Bushesha a whole bunch. This guy could pull guard too. But it's just like, eh. I'm going against someone I got a hundred pounds on literally. Why not just go for a throw? If it doesn't work, I'm on top anyway. Like that's a different, a whole different realm of strength and weight that I don't have access to being 185 pounds. You know what I mean? 
So it's it is interesting. I love jujitsu, dude. I love I love like the different dynamics of different weight classes and everything like that. And like seeing your judo, you move very well. I saw your video of you snapping the guy down, and then as he's coming up, you restrict his movement with the gi, and then you take him backwards. I was like, man, that is such like I can understand that, but I can't do it. Why? This is <laughs> oh yeah, it's probably just practice. I mean, it's yeah. just because it's it's judo is judo's it's a lot like football in a sense at least playing offensive line it's just unnatural it's all unnatural it's unnatural ways but it's the most effective ways to move the human body so whenever you do it, it's kind of like those light bulb moments you're just like you like feel weird the whole time but you do it right once and then all of a sudden that's natural to you it's 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 the same thing with jujitsu. like you ever sweep somebody your first time on your back and you're just like i don't know how this is gonna work but boop, you know yeah, and then you're it. like oh <gasps> <laughs> then everything makes sense all of a sudden yeah, yeah. no that's it's very relatable for sure so you talked about watching going back and watching your matches from pans and i always think this is interesting when like someone from football gets into jiu-jitsu because i don't know if you did this a lot in your career but football is like really big with film study yeah, and so they like <laughs> yeah they'll literally spend hours and hours and hours, hours like four yeah four hours a day just just watching the other team and their formations and all that shit so do you feel like you develop skills watching film that you can like take into jujitsu because there's pretty much every match that's high level you can pull up on YouTube or on Flow Grappling. Yeah, no, I was lucky because when I uh before when I was a wrestler in high school, I would just record everybody and I was already doing that film study anyways. Not as the depth that football does it, but I was um I I already had gotten addicted. I wanted to win, so I was gonna watch what you did and research everything about about you, you know, what you like, what you don't like, stuff like that. So, you know, positions you don't like. So when it came to football, it was basically that just and you, you can only watch so many so much hours of film. Like football, I think they overdo it, right? Two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. I was like dude my brain's fried right so i think now i can at least go into grappling you don't nearly have to watch that much to be effective at film watching but i do love how full grappling has basically every match that ever existed right so if anybody ever wants to watch me fight you know they can go watch all my wins and losses so far and they're all up there i think that's dope i think that's pretty cool mm. yeah, yeah I think I, some people in jiu-jitsu oh go ahead jake no i, I was gonna probably say the same thing you're gonna say say it I was just going to say that, like, some people in jiu-jitsu, they have the approach of, like, they just want to see the guy's stance or something. Like, they want to know if he leads with his left leg or his right leg, and they don't want to see his full game because they feel like they just want to concentrate on their offense and not be reactive to the other person. But I think, like like you just said, like, it's it's good to know everything a person does because even if you just have, like, an awareness of it in the back of your head, you're still – it's you're probably still going to be better off going into to a match with more information versus less. That's a good point. Never try to overthink things or overplan things. Like if you have a solid game and you feel like this is what this is who you are and this is because I mean, I, not to get too sad. I hate when people get too sappy with martial arts. Like it's just beautiful. Like, but it is art and it, it is what you make. It is art and it is yeah. what you make it. And everyone has their own style of the art, right? Mm -hmm. So if you go out there and you have the most comfortable, you are like, this is my way of winning. Don't ever change your game up to something crazy. Like oh, I've I've never done anything. So I'm gonna I, like I'm a stand up guy, but I'm gonna Eminari roll this guy. Like no, do what you're good at right always revert to what you're good at but watching film is just a good thing that you can it's just good for references right but never overthink it either yeah, yeah. and that's all i was gonna say uh danny was pretty much i was gonna mirror that point um whenever i i want to get your opinion on this <clears throat> do you ever write stuff down like when i when i game plan typically i'll do it for super fights so i'll actually like and, it'll, and i'll do it like one to two days i'll film study one to two days before the match um, I used to psych myself out, but then I realized, why am I doing that? I'm going to fight him anyway. Like, why does my mindset different now that I know what he does, right? I just don't want to be taken out of left field by something. Like, 
I don't want to be that guy that goes out there and doesn't watch film and gets footlocked in five seconds because I didn't know he did that. Like, I'd rather know. So uh, what I do is I write stuff down. And I actually learned that uh, from Michael Lear Jr. to write stuff down and to like, hey, like write down your notes about the match. Do you find yourself like carry? Is that a habit that uh, they do in football? Is that something that you do like now that you compete more? Do you ever like study any film and like r- actually write down your game plan? Because that's what I do just so that it's, it's like the muscle memory stuck in my head. It's almost like note taking in school. Hmm. I wouldn't say I write. I cause again, I don't I, I don't want to overthink it either. But if it ever comes down to a turn because in jujitsu, this is something I'm learning on the fly too, right? In jujitsu, you fight a lot in one day if you're successful. You can fight up to 10, 12 matches. And if there's no gi and gi and you're good at both, and it's all of a sudden you're doing both in the open on both, and it's just like, oh my gosh, then I feel like notes really do have their place. Even if it's one or two or three sentences, just something you can look over just to re-image your things in your brain. But up to this point, I haven't done it. But after the past two tournaments, that is probably a pretty good idea. Even if it's just notes on your phone just being like you know potential names of fights you got because there's just too there's just too much to know and if you think and if you're good enough to go out there and just fight on the fly that is awesome right mm-hmm. sometimes sometimes i'll just be lazy and i'll do it but i think i think that's a pretty good point in in this sport as i'm learning through it that that mm-hmm. could be something very useful for sure so another thing i wanted to ask you about that i wrote down too is um like what's your opinion on strength and conditioning for judo and jiu-jitsu because obviously there's like very well thought out, very well established programs in sports like wrestling and football because they're very old. Mm-hmm. Um, and jiu-jitsu is kind of like a newer sport still. So what do you think about um, integrating that type of training into your schedule? Yeah, and I know there are guys who – and I, I, I sometimes get lazy with – I don't want people to think I'm coming after them. But I know there are guys who are like, you know, oh, I'm – you know, I'm the best or I'm really good and I never weightlifted a day in my life. And I'm like, that's great for you. But if you're a serious athlete, you need to be doing some sort of strength conditioning, even if it's just a calisthenics or like push ups, sit ups, you know, climb the rope, do some abs, something cardio outside of just rolling, like maybe a run or something or a bike. But I think those, there are some things that you simply cannot get in jujitsu that could be offered in certain other areas that could really help you. And if you're a big guy, if you're ultra, if you're a super heavy weight or above and you're not lifting weights, you're you're doing it wrong like you need strength i i don't think uh i don't think back then when they were said you know oh this is the antithesis this sport is the antithesis of strength and this is the same thing with judo too like it's all technique you know now we have humans who are 330 pounds and are freak athletes right you, you yeah. need to be strong so so i'm a huge i'm a huge advocate like if you want to be serious if you want to do whatever you want that's great but if you come up to me and you tell me you want to be a champion you're over like 180 pounds you're going to hit the weight room too right that's part of the deal Elector yeah. performance, open guard cast 25. This man said it. He even said it. I didn't even have to. It's 25% off. Open guard cast 25. Anyway, moving on. A little mid-episode mid break to tell you about election performance. Yeah, that's something that I felt too. Um, And that is an interesting point you bring up. I feel like, you know, yeah, the sport is still technique. But if you do technique and you're strong, that technique just gets better. <laughs> like if you could, yeah. if it takes a certain amount of strength to even get the angle in spider guard to do a triangle and you can't do it because you're not strong enough, then your technique doesn't matter because that guy proved, okay, I'm strong enough for this technique to not to work. So I like that you brought that up. It's very important. I think that uh, en- enough people probably have heard that strength conditioning is important, but not enough people have let their ears digest it. So you need to definitely 
I think a lot of people definitely need to hit the weight room, including if me. someone. Yeah. If someone ended up and this happens a lot of time, every time I go roll in an open mat with my buddies who are rolling my club. Um, so this one. So if anybody ever gets me right, Kimura or Americanas, and I just eventually, you know, if I can curl my way out of them, like you probably need to hit the weight room more like, for some people. <laughs> like if you're 140, you're probably not going to hit it on, on me. Right. Like if it, I think there's just a lot of things that if you're a big guy and you're freakishly strong, let's be honest, like you, you can win, especially in, if you exploit rule sets, you can win pretty dominantly just with like a few techniques. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and especially at lower ranks, like with guys who don't know, like there's no spider guards, there's no butterfly guards, there's nothing really crazy. Um, there's no like no one's really exploiting things like wrists or anything like that. So if you're freakishly strong, you're going to start out really good, right? Which could also be a bad thing too because you never learned the technique. But that's something for a, a long story. I think being strong is an advantage, bar none. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard someone explain it once where it actually helps your conditioning too. Because if you think about like if you're using your max strength. And you can only, let's say you're doing a pushing motion to escape side control and your max bench press is 100 pounds versus if it's 300 pounds, like you're going to get less tired trying to push someone off of you if you're stronger. Mm-hmm. I mean, straight so, up, like if I can, yeah. if I can bench press double less your body weight, you know, you're probably not going to hold me down side control. You're probably going to have to play cards. So, yeah, for sure. So do you want to talk a little bit about your, your academy as well? Cause you brought that up a couple of times. Um, sure. Judo Academy. Yeah. I mean, I started it like, so I got cut from the NFL. I came home and I was like, well, it's judo time, but there's no real place. You know, I, you know, I, I think I'm kind of the guy to do judo. There's not many places in the country, much less, uh, my state or city that can teach judo. So I was like, you know, I'm going to get back into it. Call up a bunch of people started out with like four or five people. Um, and I think an important thing that judo, the reason why judo fell so far, especially in America is like judo, Judo is an Olympic sport. This is why I always tell people judo shouldn't be an Olympic sport, man. Like the judo kind of, um, and it works well in other countries because it's state sponsored. Right. But in America, we're a capitalist open marketplace. Right. So when judo schools aren't making money, they simply don't exist. And there's not many judo schools that can pull off making money. I mean, most people are doing BJJ now. So that was an important thing going into it. I was like, this place has to make money so that we can survive. I'm not going to run a community center either. I want to have a a good team one day. I want to have a good team of people who can be top level judokas. So that was important going into it. And I mean, especially when you put value into something like, it's not like I'm like, Oh, come train here for free for a month. And then it's $10. No, like I, I know I know where my level's at regarding judo, and I feel like there's a price to that service, so I would charge you know close to a BJJ price. And I think people, once they saw the quality of what I was teaching, if it works out for you, it works out. And it's simple things too. Like I'm not a I'm not a douchebag, and so when <laughs> people come in and I you know I respect them to have conversation, hold their names if they ever have questions. Uh, anything i'm always very responsive and all that has just sort of built up into you know we started with five and now i've built up i got around like 40 something members right now and we're we just now so i have a third degree black belt who's going to start teaching judo two days a week at the place or jujitsu they're going to teach bjj at the place under them rather than you know me you know being like i do judo but i also competed at jujitsu and it worked but I, i you know i don't have the technical expertise to be able to explain that stuff as much as i do judo so i'm it's just about expanding those things and holding a a firm set of values i believe and it's only been like a a little bit over a year since we opened but it's been going pretty well i think once you get the base of a business and you have a vision for it as long as you stay true to it you typically be okay if we can survive through a pandemic as a judo school i mean we can probably do anything so for sure Darn right. We hope you do. 
by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, and I think there's, I think there's value to it for jujitsu guys too. Cause I watch some high level jujitsu people. I'm like, wow, these guys take down suck. And I'm sure wrestlers watch it too. And they think the same thing. They're like, how can these guys not shoot a shot? Right. Mm-hmm. So, and there, and there's some, there's some like I, on top of like the 10% of hate mail I got after Pan Ams for being a sandbagger, there was 90% of people who were like, you know, man, that's all like, that was really interesting takedowns. So I try to, if you ever look at my page, I try to like post whatever I can about like just some insight into, into judo whenever I can without getting too complicated. Well, shoot, yeah. man, I, I'm all about learning judo. So you have a, you have a fan in me for sure. Um, I, I know that I got a takedown at American nationals, <laughs> not a big deal. Uh, <laughs> Did, was it a super sweet. clean takedown? No, but hey, like, it have to be clean. You just got to get the get exactly. The Did the referee do this? The referee said yeah. peace out. I was like, all right, you're damn right, ref. Thank you. Um, yeah, so no, but definitely not a clean takedown. But I was happy because I am trying to expand my game too. I've been known as a just a a degenerate guard puller, <laughs> yeah. the better part of my life. Dare I say, butt scooter? And uh, <laughs> you know, I got some hate. You know, about about eighty percent of the mail I got was hate mail saying, Jake, I hate, I hate you. I hate you so much. And uh, this is all a joke. I'm, I'm being satirical. No one said they hated me yet. But uh, I'm sure there's some guy on Reddit that says Jake Watts is a douchebag. But uh, especially now that we have the open guard cast, huh, Danny? Probably get, I, I can't wait for that first hate mail that we get. That's going to be great. Because then I'm going to be like, oh, dude, screenshot that. Let's go to Kingo's <laughs> and frame it. I want to frame that so that we can have our first bit of hate mail. Now people are going to send it. But um, yeah, no. Okay, so... Having a judo school open during the pandemic, uh, what are your like future plans with either with that or plans you got for the future with competing? Do you want to do super fights, anything like that? What yeah, is uh, I, the plan I, here? I, I, if I was up to be, I compete as much as I can. I uh, dude, I would take any fight against anybody, anywhere, any rule set. I just want to get better and I want to dive in as headfirst as much as I can. And I. It's not that I don't care whether I win or lose. You know, I very much care if I win. I hate losing so much, but I want to compete so badly at a high level. And there's just not much that offers it right now. If I I'd super fight, I'd love to do a super fight, right? Like I'd love to fight a lot. Of, now, if there's there's not many like I, I also don't, but I truly don't want to go like as far as the IBJJF. Like, let's be honest, is it going to be fun for me to just go to local tournaments and use like not to like toot my own horn, but just like run through blue belt? It's it like I do think that some people who were messaging me like a bunch of the hate about sandbagging, I do think they have a point. I didn't even know it was going to be that bad. But <laughs> but when you're 330 pounds and can move pretty well, it's tough for anybody to deal with at, at that level. It it just is. So I'm trying to figure out right now what the best course of action is. I said I don't know if I'm going to compete a lot this year because the XFL is something that could happen. Um, it doesn't mean I don't want to. And obviously, you know, you have to you have to you have to have money to survive. I can't just afford to travel around everywhere. And I told people and I've committed to training at certain places with people who have hit me up and stuff like hey Ron, hey Ron, Grace, he's one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. He was like 18 when we fought too. I didn't know that. So when he's like, dude, you need to come like you need to come to Henzo's in New York and train. I was like, say less. So I've been trying to get that sorted out through coronavirus. But I'm looking to just try and up my game as much as I can. If it's competing, if it's flying out to train, that that's what that's what I'll do. Mm-hmm. I don't I know if Seth about... has anything going down. Sorry, Dan. Yeah, he, I, no, he I, does, I was just gonna actually. say I didn't know if Seth had anything going down in ta- in tennis, Tennessee. Um, but and then that's, but in Florida he does. So you could definitely put your name in to, to fight to win. You can go to fight to win uh, BJJ. Send Seth a message on uh, Instagram. Be like, hey, I won Pan Ams. Uh, I would love to fight and see what he says. Yeah, I, 
I messaged him. I messaged him back before I did Pan Am's about like a judo match, and uh, I think they were just like apply on the website or something. And they don't do judo matches right now, so I was like, mm-hmm. okay. But yeah, if they can find me another like pretty pretty good blue belt or even a purple belt who's willing to purple or brown belt who's willing to fight a blue belt, I think that'd be a super fun thing to do. So since they do judo matches, you could do two matches in one night. Yeah. One judo, one jiu-jitsu. I, I'm all down, but there's not many. <laughs> there's not many good judokas, especially heavyweight judokas in the United States. It's just not. It's just not big here at all. Not nearly as big as. Like I don't think people know how big judo is in the in the international scene. It is absolutely massive. It's one of the biggest Olympic sports. Like I think wrestling has like 50 something cu- countries that participate in it. Judo has like 120 or 30 or 40 maybe at their last Olympics. Like judo is. Judo is immensely popular sport, but you would never know that living in the States. I don't, I didn't know it until like, until I went to Ukraine to compete at worlds for judo when I was a cadet, when I was a cadet level. So under 18 and I was like, these people are out of their minds. Like they love it. And you would just never know that living in the States. So that's part of the deal that I don't know. If, that's also a huge reason I'm in jujitsu because it's, it's our country's thing. Like which America's sort of embraced jujitsu with open arms. I think jujitsu played it well playing to our playing to our, way of life in our market <laughs> so that's that's the big sport right now so i want to do both am i going to pay 200 grand to sponsor an olympic judo run i don't know i might just do jujitsu so we'll see do you feel like one of the reasons judo has like a harder time growing like with the general public is just because of how difficult it is on your body yeah 100 percent too i mean that's it sucks and that's why my dad my dad was a pretty my dad was a hard ass when he would train me like we would throw mats on concrete and we would just start training but um now we have like double sub floors you know we have like stunt level crash pads and stuff for people to throw on even then it is tough on, and it is tough on the body not a lot of people are gonna pay to do it I, so i think having that combination of judo and jujitsu at at what our dojo academy whatever it's whatever it's going to be called i guess is is huge for those people who wanted judo we offer it for those people who you know it's maybe not their thing or they don't want to compete or they, they, and I, I adapt to it too. Like, I'm not going to trash like everybody who walks in the judo door. Right. Like, I think that's ridiculous too. So it's mainly what you're looking for it, but basically judo is a lot tougher on the body. It sucks. Getting thrown sucks. Yeah. Learning how to fall sucks too. I've learned how to fall. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I've learned how to fall. That's one thing I'm proud of is I learned how, but it still sucks. It's like, Oh, it never, yeah. You never get, you never get happy with falling. You're just like, boom, break fall. And you're like, ah, it's still, it still sucked. It's like taking a a bad shot. You're just like, uh, whatever. (laughs) Okay. Five more and then I don't have to take any more. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of consistent, I guess, if you're, if you're the Uki that day, but, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Falling. Yeah, not fun. <laughs> so, so another thing I think the American market has really embraced in terms of jujitsu is like the seminar scene and the instructional market. So you have a really unique skill set. Like, obviously you're really good at judo, you're good at jujitsu, but you're also like a bigger person. You don't like you're very athletic, but I think sometimes people look for like certain body types to learn from, and you have something different to offer. Like you hit, hit the techniques super clean and um. Everything's very technical, but you're also like athletic and and bigger. So you feel like that's something you could see in your future is like putting out an instructional, maybe on like BJJ Fanatics, or maybe doing like seminar circuits where you incorporate like how to add uh, jujitsu to your or judo to your jujitsu in the best way. 
Absolutely, because the on top of the mo on top of the messages I got after that surge of following after Pan Am's was you know big guys asking you know they would send me their their clips of throwing they were so excited they were like you know you're a big guy and you show kind of showed the blueprint I think you nailed what I want to do on the head now I want to I want to be well versed enough in jujitsu to also be able to apply it to that I don't want to just be like hey I'm a judo guy and this is what works in judo you know I want to be versed enough in jujitsu to where I can offer actual value to a product if I'm going to put something out there, right? And I kind of, I want to test, I'll probably test the waters out with a few techniques just for free on YouTube before I ever even think about making people pay for something I do. Because at the end of the day, you know, I haven't I haven't done too much in the sport and I'm still young in it. So I don't want people to, I still have to earn my way into this thing, I think. But I do think I have a lot to offer in terms of, I have a monopoly on big judo black belts like my first two black belts in judo are both they're all both over 300 pounds like edgar is wow. one of my training partners he's also blue belt in jiu-jitsu and we roll every day matt's one of my guys we roll every day so i've just been working with big bodies so i would when i train jiu-jitsu i would drive to nashville and murfreesboro which is an hour hour 30 minutes away but eventually got to the point where there's no one big enough for me at anybody but my place. So it's a very niche thing, but it's also something that does stand out and it's something people will value. So whenever it's something that is – like whenever I can offer it at a place where I feel comfortable, like this is a good thing to – for people to use and learn from, I think that that'll be that'll be a good chance. But that's probably a lot down the road. I still probably have to go out and compete and test my own stuff on other people. For sure. Awesome. Like well, Jake, do you have any uh, any more questions for Bruno? I kind of hmm. went through my whole list. <laughs> well, no. I think it's very interesting. Uh, not really questions, more like just kind of stuff I've gathered, you know, because, I mean, I one, one really cool thing about doing this podcast is, I mean, I never really know. Uh, interviews could go horribly, right? And, like, <laughs> they really can. I mean, I don't know if you've ever interviewed somebody before, Bruno, but it can, <laughs> like, I used to, like, love getting interviewed, but I never would because I at the time, like, I... I wasn't getting any exposure for anything I was doing, but then when I started interviewing people. It's very, very fun because I get to see like, okay, this guy blue belt in jujitsu, but black belt in judo, you have different avenues that you can go down, such as like you just said, XFL is a possibility. Okay. Uh, do I want to sponsor a judo run? You kind of sounded like you might want to sponsor a judo run. I'm just <laughs> saying you kind of sounded like maybe that was a possibility too. So like you have all these different avenues to go down. Is there any, other, is there any like uh, avenues outside of, I guess would be a question, any avenues outside of competition? Because I have avenues that I want to go outside of competition. Like I want to commentate. I love having this podcast. I want to be able to teach seminars and I want to be able to go around the world teaching and, and everything like that. But I also want, but I also am heavily invested in my competition. Is there anything like that that you see yourself doing? I know yeah, you're a big, I mean, big time gamer too. So I'll get to yeah. that in a second. But, uh, yeah, I loved, up? dude, I love teaching. I love coaching. Um, I think personally, I think I'm good at it too. I mean, I, I think I work very well with people. I think I can be, uh, I think I can be tough when I need to. I think I can be understanding when I need to. I think I can, you know, I have a lot to offer people. And I think I have a lot to offer in a very niche skill set that not a lot of people have in this country. Uh, there are a few people that have it. There's some people I met jujitsu competitions, like, like Bruno Batos. I don't know if you, if you know him. Yeah. I was I like, know. like I was talking to him for a bit and I was like, this guy might as well be a judo black belt. Like he, like just through his jujitsu. I mean, he, he fully embraced the jujitsu way and eventually I guess he just learned a lot of judo from it too. So, but that, that's neither here nor there. I think there is a lot to offer. Um, 
personally in terms outside of competition. Do I love competition? Yeah. Is it the thing I love the most? Probably. But I love teaching. I like writing too. I've writing's a hobby of mine. It was the only reason I didn't fail out of Vanderbilt is because I was a decent writer. So that's why I work with VandyRivals.com, which is a website that reports on Vanderbilt. And then I I do a podcast on there too with my editor. So there's a lot of stuff I, I'm just kind of dipping my toes in trying to get good at right now. I feel like I'm a decent speaker. I don't know, but these are always good practice. So (laughs) yeah, commentating very good. Yeah. Commentating. I mean, I could commentate a judo match. I could give a lot of insight on judo match. I couldn't do the same in jujitsu right now. So, so I don't know if that's an an immediate thing for me, but I'm still young too. I'm like, what? I forget how old I am. I'm 24. So I'll, I'll figure it out as I go, I guess. You're already forgetting how old you are. You're 24 years old, man. Dude, I was, I was 21 years old filling out medical forms for a physical at Vanderbilt, and I kept putting I was 19 on them all. So they were like, <laughs> make me redo them. Like, I don't know. Wow. It's, it's just part of the deal. That is funny. You're only a year older than me. Yeah. How old do you think much, Danny is? You're much younger than me. Well, I won't give it away. How old do you think Danny is? 27? 27 through 31. Ooh, that was pretty pretty good. I'm 31. Yeah, there you go. 31. Nice. It's also a gifted <laughs> guesser. Most people say like 22. Some even say like 17. I get I'm the like, same. I get the same exact thing. Um, whenever I shave up, some people will think you know I'm 18. Besides the size, but a lot of people like whenever I tell them I'm 24, they think I'm like 30s too. It's it's a weird deal. So mm-hmm. I get funny. called 30 by like 14 year olds. They think I'm like 30 years old. I'm like it's because I got like a just because I got a big old tattoo on my arm and I and I have <laughs> moderate to severe facial dysmorphia. It doesn't mean that I have <laughs> You know, I have to be 30 years old. That's Danny. But anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that definitely concludes the questions that I have. Danny, do you have you don't have any more questions? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Just if Bruno, if you have anyone you like want to thank or any sponsors or shout outs or anything like that. I don't got any. I, if I had to thank anybody, it'd be everybody who stuck with me through Reagan martial arts through the pandemic. Because I mean, man, it's tough being a judo school. We have this building we rent out, and it's uh, we're basically only using two nights of it to teach judo. And the fact that we were even able to pay it off with the with the money it was making was ridiculous enough to the point to where it is now. I mean, now it's growing, so that's obviously a thing that's that's been awesome. So if you've been involved with that, or if you've even followed me. And just, you know, giving me words of courage or you send me judo videos. I mean, everybody who's been so welcoming in this community and there's always some people who are not that welcoming, but I think that's, <laughs> I think that's the most fun part sometimes. So yeah. thanks to everybody who's like, even who even has value in seeing what, what I bring to the table. I'm glad that people, I'm glad that I can at least put judo on the spot. Um, thanks to guys like Sean Hammonds, my jujitsu professor. He always tries his best with me guys like Bruno Batos whenever I'm at a tournament and I have no coach The guys like, I right, I'll coach you. I'm like, thanks man. So He's great. Yeah. He's so there's cool. some, there's some really good, even, even that whole Gracie clan, um, that they're, they're nice enough to welcome me over to their, to their Academy to train. I mean, it's a really, really great community and I'm glad to be a part of it. So. Awesome. Well, yeah, man, we definitely, we're definitely, uh, you have fans in us as well. And if you ever want any help or anything like that, always message us. We tell that to everybody, but we mean it. If you guys ever want, if you want everyone any help, like, Hey guys, I made this instructional. Can you, you know, share this on your page? Always let us know, dude. Cause we're going to do it. Um, but yeah, we would like to thank election performance. Remember you can use our discount code open 25. If you want to, nah, I'm not even going to say, it. you know, by this point, you're going to get thick, thick with four <laughs> C's. I'm telling you four C's. Do you even know what that means? Look at this man right here. This man lifts. That is. <laughs> you want to be like him? Election performance is the only way I know how. Also, you can do judo and play football. 
but <laughs> like performance is the more Maybe. you know available to you route if you use our discount code <laughs> and uh we also want to thank high tier photography chill fit cryo maracaba bjj marcio andre academy and break new ground which you can use my discount code jake watson capital j capital w no spaces for 10 percent off the flyest geese i have seen in the in the recent future so a recent past. That wouldn't really make sense, would it? Uh, <laughs> but hey, thank you so much, Bruno. It was a pleasure having you on, man. Uh, we're definitely we'll probably have you on again after you win your next tournament via Uchimata into Haraigoshi uh, uh, combo. <laughs> the first one, it doesn't work out. Switch to the second one. I'm flexing my. I, I speak Japanese a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I got some. I got some. Sasai Siro Komiyashi. We're here. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell a joke about that off air. But uh, yeah. If that's uh, if that's all we got, then Danny, why don't you go ahead and take us out of here? All right, thanks everyone for listening to this episode seventy of the Open Guard Cast, and we'll see you guys soon.